0: Hello everyone, I'm Ashnam, the creative director at the Quiggle Group, and welcome to Garage to Goliath. We're going to turn the tables today. All of you know Dan Quiggle as the CEO of Quiggle Group, a marquee keynote speaker, a leadership coach, and a serial entrepreneur. Dan also worked with President Reagan in his post-presidential office and is the author of Lead Like Reagan, hi dan
1: hi ashna how are you
0: i'm great how are you
1: doing really well it's great to be here and back on the podcast
0: i know you've been really busy what have you been working on
1: so took a hiatus of course so much going on in the world and took that time and really kind of focused in on something that i'm really excited about it's a passion project a super exciting project called the quiggle assessment and it's something that I talk about in all my speeches. It is probably the most competent piece on a three hour presentation. So, as you, most of you know, I speak a lot to CEOs. And when I talk to them and I do the Quiggle assessment, it's interesting. They'll say things like, Hey, how do I do this with my kids tonight? Or how do I do this with my team tomorrow? And so, I partnered with a social scientist and we built it out and built an online personality test, which leads our test takers to one of six success symbols. So, we have the guardian the director, the analyst, the royal, the explorer, and the creator. And then you discover the best way to create the best version of you.
0: So Susan is the COO of the Quiggle Assessment. How did she come to work with you?
1: Well, I found Susan, and I I mean this, like she was in one of my events. um, I think it was in Oklahoma City. And the event went really well. And she came up and she said, hey, I love the Quiggle Assessment. I loved, you know, your presentation. And so we just kind of stayed in touch. And over time... Um, because her industry was changing because of COVID, uh, she said she wanted to change and and have it change in her life. And and so we started talking. I was telling her about the Quiggle assessment and the, the plans to, to build this online test, and we had built part of it. But she's one of these people. She's so organized and so good at what she does. And so we started talking about it. And I think she got really excited about it, but she wanted to test the test on her kids. So she wanted them to take the test. And so... She has three kids, and she said, you know, her middle child, which is, has a lot of energy, took the test, and she said, Dan, what really made me decide to do this? Because she goes, I know it impacted my life. She said, my middle school son came downstairs after taking the test, and he had his chest kind of pushed out. And he's like, Mom, did you know that I'm the creator? And she was like, oh, really? And he goes, do you know what it said about me? It said that I was unique and bold and out of the box. And, and he goes, do you think those things about me? And she was like, "I absolutely think those things about you." And he goes, "Here, come upstairs. I want to read, to, you know, more to you about what it said about me." And and she said, "It it created this like two hour conversation." She goes, "He has so much energy. We haven't sat down in a long time for two hours and just kind of talked about life and future and everything." And so she said, "Dan, if you can impact his life and you can impact my life like that, we're onto something here." And 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 that was, you know, that was an exciting revelation for me as well. So happy to have her on board we're moving down the track uh, lots of lots of good organizations and people taking the quiggle assessment and finding that it really makes a difference in their organization or in their family
0: yeah you're changing a lot of lives and giving parents a chance to spend quality time with their kids so I, and i think that's
1: that's a great takeaway so if you're out there listening and you're looking for a you know something that you can invest in and, and i say this all the time like look i love toys and i love games and i love all these different things But if you really want to give a great gift, I mean, that gift of success, of of investing in them, and then those discussions that are created because of this, I think that's a, a really fun part of this.
0: I think it's a great individual gift, but also a great gift to give to schools or classrooms or anywhere else.
1: Yes, no, absolutely. Make an impact.
0: I love it. Now, I know there's so many personality assessments out there. What value does the Quiggle assessment bring into people's lives?
1: So we're not like most... Uh, other personality tests we believe strongly in teaching our community how to use their personality to take action and actually be able to market their strengths in other words it's very difficult to walk into a crowd and be like hey i'm yellow or i'm green or i'm enbi so we have a power pitch generator that follows the assessment once you take the test and you create a power pitch and that can only happen if you have the right words to describe your superpower so it kind of identifies your strengths. And then by using branding words, you're able to create this success slogan, the success story. And we give the audience uh, adjectives, nouns, verbs to express themselves. And it's so powerful. And the response that we've received over the last just few months uh, since we launched, it's been amazing.
0: So who's going to be benefiting from the Quiggle assessment?
1: So that's probably my favorite part is... You know when I speak, and this is this is the thing that amazes me the most. you know, speaking is all about relatability, right? It's interesting that I can give a similar speech on the CEO of self to billionaire you know literally billionaires company you know companies that are billion dollar plus in revenue and then walk into a high school or a college scene and give almost a similar presentation on emotional intelligence on leadership and they get A lot out of it in other words you know my goal of course when i speak is to make sure that i'm making an impact it's like how do you take your life from success to significance right where you you realize the impact that you get to make and so the good thing about the quiggle assessment is similarly it's ceos of billion dollar companies it's high school students so it's job seekers you know who are trying to stand out in the crowd it's students who are trying to get into that college of their dreams it's company leaders that are trying to take that next step in leadership in their life. And it's so exciting to see the impact that we can can create when we realize exactly who we are. We don't have to pretend anymore. We don't have to be, you know, somebody that we're not. We can own our personality and then market ourselves directly and be successful that way.
0: That sounds incredible. Do you have any stories that you can share about students who completed the Quiggle assessment?
1: Yeah, so... <laughs> One of my favorite things that I get to do is, is we're, we're taking these, you know, to inner city kids and really trying to change the narrative of how people view themselves and the value they create and bring in society. And so here I'm in inner city, Los Angeles, and uh, I'm giving a speech and we're ta- we, we do the Quiggle assessment. And it's funny, this kid walks up to me afterwards and he's like, man, I'm not a leader, I'm a rapper. And I'm like, rap for me right now," you know, and and he did, and he was just unbelievable. Like, do you do you realize, like, when you see raw potential talent? Like, I have the chills right now just remembering how good he was and thinking, "Did that just happen in front of me?" And 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 I said, "You know, I know which one you were before you even tell me." And He goes, "Guess." And I said, "You were the creator," and he goes, "I was the creator." And I said, "Do you know why I know that? Because you are bold, unique, out of the box," you know, and I use those adjectives that come with that. And it's funny because he looked at me and he goes maybe I am a leader and I'm like yes right because half the half the battle is just getting you know you have to believe in yourself and your your own potential and so I think that that's the neatest part is that it allows you to feel comfortable in your own skin to be confident in who you are and and find your strengths and and also it points out your weaknesses and, and, you know, this, this is something that I address in my presentations. You know, so many people say, oh, you should work on your weaknesses, work on your weaknesses, focus on your weaknesses. But I'm like, so what? So someday you can be mediocre? I'm like, why not double down on your strengths? You should absolutely know your weaknesses. And you should be, you know, make sure that you're paying attention to that and not, you know, that doesn't become a serious liability. But why not double down on your strengths and really own who you are? So if you are the guardian, then you're the caring, compassionate, helpful, hopeful one. Then own that. You know, if you are the analyst, you're the meticulous, detail-oriented, you know, analytical, that's who you are. So then own that. There's value in each and every one of us, but it's up to us to identify that and market it.
0: I love that, Dan. I know that as a kid, it was really important to be well-rounded. And then when you look at all these people who are at the top of their game, they have very few strengths that they focus on, and that's how they really make it. So I love that you're helping students out like that. Well, Tell-
1: Ashna, it's interesting because I, I look at like Stanford University. It's This is a debate that my friends have all the time. So I went to UCLA. I feel very fortunate. It was a great university. But Stanford's a unique school. They seem to find like the best in their, you know, in what they do. And then that's who they admit into the university because they want the best in that field. It goes back to that whole like... You know, uh, Jack Welch at GE used to always say, like, if, if somebody raised their hand, he said, how many do you want to be a lawyer and a business owner? You know, and and they'd raise their hand to get that m that MBA JD program. And he's like, OK, I don't want to hire you because I don't really know what you want. Like, I want somebody who wants to double down and, and be the best in their field. And so exactly to what you're saying, I think you're I think you're correct.
0: Tell us about Pam, who was looking for a new job.
1: Pam, th- thanks for bringing that up, because I know we had talked about that Pam was an analyst, okay? And her whole entire life, she thought it was a negative to be an analyst. And after taking the Quiggle assessment, it was very interesting. Her whole mindset changed because I said, a negative? What are you, what are you talking about? You get to walk into an interview and say, you know why you need me? Because I'm the organized one, the detail-oriented one. You know, I'm, I'm the one, when you have your big ideas, I'll be the one that executes. And she was really, you know, it was life-changing for her. And so, again, it goes back to that you know, you don't have to be ashamed of who you are anymore. You don't have to think there's a negative. We all have value and we're all different. And that difference should be celebrated in every aspect of our life and really, and, and really um, you know, find great uh, success within
0: ourselves. I agree. I think it'd be really boring if we were all the same. And it's so nice that we can work as a team, having all these different strengths and we can work together on a project. How did uh, the Quiggle Assessment help Joe?
1: Yeah. So, so Joe was interesting. So this is somebody I met on the road. Uh, He took the test. He was the guardian and he, he viewed himself differently. He, he thought he was the director, you know, he thought he was, was the entrepreneurial positive one. And that was his secondary archetype. But, but his first one was guardian. And I think that to me is one of my favorite combinations to be a servant leader, to be a caring leader, to want to help people I mean, that's just such a beautiful part of our society. And I think we need a lot of those people because, you know, there are people out there that are struggling. And again, when you can kind of find hope and value in who you are, and, that, and I think that's what happened to Joe once he discovered like, Hey, it's okay to be who I am. Cause I mean, he cared about his family deeply. He cared about his company deeply, his employees. I mean, he, he used the word love when he talked about his employees, which is a word I use all the time. Like I love love my employees, I would do anything for them. They do so much for me within my company. Why would I not want to help them and be, you know, a big part of their lives or or even their kids' lives? And so it was just, I think, a revelation to him and almost like a, a you know, peaceful moment in his life where he could just kind of say, hey, I kind of like who I am. I like caring for people. It's, you know, and and he said, "In, in my life, in all aspects, I'm a caregiver. And so, I, you know, I see myself as a leader. And I said, these are not mutually exclusive. You can be both. And that was exciting moment for him
0: i bet that was a really exciting moment we need more guardians in our life for sure (laughs) absolutely (laughs) so dan you're a successful entrepreneur and this is your fifth company what is your success symbol
1: so i i am the director as a director you know you're supposed to be this visionary and all these things and hopefully i am and hopefully i live up to those standards but i also want to use that energy and that optimism to motivate the people around me and i think that that's the key you know, I talk to a lot of CEOs and I talk about what I call the freedom formula, like just when you think you're the smartest one in the room, look in a different room, like find somebody smarter, better, more innovative, more exciting, you know, and 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 that served me really well. But I also want to be humble enough and I challenge myself to to make sure that I understand that it takes more than my enthusiasm to be successful. Like I need to make sure that the plan is in place, that the people are in place, that you know, I've surrounded myself with the right group of leaders that, what I call my kitchen cabinet, that are going to be in my ear giving me advice, that they're going to be moving me forward, that they're not yes people. So they're success-oriented, they're driven, and uh, and that has served me well over the years as the director.
0: I love what you said about the room, because I'm also like that. I never want to be in a room and be the best. I want to learn from everyone else in the room.
1: Well, Ashna, since, since, since you said that, I'm going to brag on you for a second. So, you know, not only is she the creative director at the Quiggle Group, but... You know tv host producer you know we're very fortunate to have her but this this is this is in line with what i hopefully try to do is try to get the best of the best within any company that i'm part of to make sure that we are moving forward in the right direction
0: and i love it dan you've been pushing me in a lot of different directions (laughs) as well so. so it's nice to use also different skill sets so dan as the director i guess it's a natural fit for you to run companies
1: Yes it is um, but many companies worldwide are led by royals and analysts and explorers. I think that the trick is to surround yourself with a good team that represents all of the symbols. In other words like let's just talk about the Quiggle group for a second. So we have a small team but we have one director, one royal, one analyst, one creator, like one explorer. As a team we are unstoppable because we all bring different, you know, strengths to the table. And this has been true in all of my companies, where we have similar, uh, you know, dream teams, just like in basketball, right? A dream team. And uh, I love watching that come together. I was brought into a company one time because they felt stagnant. And, I mean, there were a lot of leaders in that room. And I, I only have six archetypes, right, with with the Quiggle assessment. Not one creator was in that room. And, and they tested it. That's almost statistically impossible. And yet I was brought in, remember, because they were stagnant and not one creator. So they were hiring a lot of caring people, a lot of, you know, you know, entrepreneurial people. But in the end, you need to make sure that you're still creating, that you're still being innovative and cutting edge and make sure that you're paying attention to that side of your business.
0: Very, very true. So you launched the Quiggle assessment online from your website?
1: Uh, Yes, we're at quigglegroup.com. And uh, again, you know, super, super excited about it because I can, ar- you know, I can already see the impact. We're, we're getting emails every day, all the time, um, saying it was life-changing, uh, People, you know, students putting it on the top of their resume, their success slogan. And one student said that, hey, out of like 250 applicants, the person called them and said, hey, saw your success slogan on the top of your resume, loved it. No one's ever done that. Would you come in, end up getting the job? And, and this is, matches something that I talk about all the time it's so hard to be better at everything in life. Like we can always find somebody better than us. Like how much better than a 4.7 GPA can you be? I mean, and yet these are a dime a dozen now with AP classes and all these. So sometimes you just have to be different, like just different and separate yourself. And so we're getting great responses.
0: And it is becoming a lot more difficult for students too when you speak about something like that because universities are not just looking for grades anymore. They're really looking for diversity, and they're looking for originality, and that's really important. I love what you're doing with the program. Tell me about your Buy One, Give One program changing three million lives in three years.
1: Yes, so this is just my goal. So I'm a dream share, right? So I'm gonna dream share for a minute. So I have this goal to change three million lives in three years. And so for every test we sell, I wanna sell 1.5 million tests and we're gonna donate 1.5 million tests. And this is going directly to You know organizations like big brothers big sisters urban league i I really want to change the narrative of how these kids view themselves and the opportunities and it matches a lot of the stuff that i'm doing on the road speaking for high schools i'll give you an example i was speaking in south florida and the ceo heard me speak and he called me he's like dan life-changing i want you to i will pay you your full fee i want you to come speak to my kids junior and senior class at this private school so i said so so we're in agreement you're gonna pay me my full fee i said "All right." I'm gonna cut that in half, pick an inner city school near you, and I'm gonna go there first, I'm gonna speak there, we're gonna give the Quiggle assessment, and then I'll go over to your school." And it went so well, I can't even describe to you how exciting it was because, again, it's just a great opportunity for kids who maybe in their lives don't hear how special they are all the time. They don't hear the value that they have all the time. And And so when they see that and that spark goes off, I mean, I can't even explain to you the feeling that I get in my heart and soul. Like it's just overjoy, you know. It's it's just pure joy, because I think they then see their potential and they see this path that just opens up in front of them. That says, "Hey, this free market, this this you know success that I think is out there for other people is now part of who I am and who part you know a part of who I can be." And if, if that's the impact that I can have on people's lives, I will do it all day long. I love every single second of it.
0: It must be so gratifying, and also you're giving so much positive reinforcement to everyone.
1: Well, it's it's fun. So I you know I spoke at Marshall School Business at USC, and and you know picture three hundred graduate students in the room, and I, I did have to take a shot. I will admit, because I, I went to UCLA and I'm at USC speaking, so I did say. I started out by saying, welcome. I just want to congratulate everyone, because if you can't get into UCLA, this is a great backup. And the whole crowd was like, boo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I'm like, that's what you get for having a Bruin come talk to you. I mean, this is ridiculous. Who even planned this? But my favorite part of that was as I was leaving, students were chasing me down the hallway. And they're like, no one's teaching me this stuff. You know, when we talk about attitude of gratitude and loyalty and humility, and and we talk about self-awareness and social awareness and relationship management and self-management, they're getting a lot of theory in these schools but that that you know that real <laughs> the real part of of leadership uh I think that more and more students need to hear and and the younger we can hear it the better we're going to be in life.
0: Well Dan obviously you're a great leader and a great coach. What was the turning point in your life when you knew you wanted to inspire and teach people about leadership?
1: Well um I don't know about the great leader part. I'm working all along the way myself whenever by the way whenever I talk I have the mirror right here in front of me. I'm always like, you know, Am I really practicing this? Like, I want to make sure that I'm trying my best to be my best. But I will say that I've always spoken in my industries. You know, I I went to college on a debate scholarship. I thought I was always going to be in sports. I, you know, grew up playing sports. I still love sports, but end up going on a debate scholarship. And so within those industry presentations, you know, I found that a lot of the most, you know, the rewarding parts for me and hopefully for the audience were when I spoke on leadership. And so I would talk about the business or I would talk about the industry or I would talk about trends or the economy. I do a lot of speaking for public policy. I love it um, for organizations nationwide. But it was when I talked about leadership that all of a sudden, like they perked up and you could see the faces. And then those were the comments that I received afterwards. Like, hey, the, I thought this was going to be on business. Instead, it was on my personal life. It was on how I show up. It was on how I show up with my family and my community, with my business. And so I started kind of going deeper onto that, and and the presentation started to transform. And so I do talk about business, and I do talk about all those other things, but I also focus and drill down on the business side, and that's I think where we can really make an impact.
0: Well, you've been invited to be a keynote speaker throughout the U.S. and internationally, and how do you engage the audience in real time learning?
1: So that's a great question. Uh, let me let me think about that for a second. So I would say through stories. I, I think that. A good speaker is a storyteller, and I hope that's what I am because in the end, you won't remember a lot of the points. you'll probably remember every single story that you told, or you know they will remember every single story that that you told. and so you know you want to give them takeaways um so each story has to have a takeaway, it has to have a meaning. and what I've found is that you know. I almost know like, okay, if I tell this story, they're going to cry. Like, cause I'm, I'm almost in tears, you know, talking about this, this experience or, or if I tell this story, they're going to laugh because it brings so much joy to my heart and, and how, how, you know, how much, how funny it was when it happened to me. So I, my goal as a speaker is to make sure I'm relating that, but everything has to have a takeaway. And what I've been able to do over time, which is my favorite is I speak for a lot of groups like Vistage, EO, YPO, and I love them because, you know, if I'm going to be honest, most of those ceos would probably they're too busy in life you know they probably wouldn't give you the time of day and yet all of a sudden i get three hours in front of them and so at the end i've been able to they do what's called rapid recall a lot where they tell me what they liked or did not like about my speech and that is so valuable to me because if they comment on things i double down if they don't i mean eventually they get taken out of the speech and so now i've got these three hours of kind of action pack where they walk up afterwards and like okay life-changing don't even know where to start. Like That was like drinking through a fire hose, but so many different ways that I'm going to change. You know The way I lead, the way I show up with my family, I and mean, that's probably one of my favorite ones. I mean, I had a guy one time walk up to me and, and took out of his, his um, briefcase his divorce papers and ripped them up in front of me. And I was like, now wait a minute. <laughs> my three-hour speech, I'm not sure if that's, you know, I mean, don't, don't be careful here. Like, I, I don't know where this came from or what. And he said, no, Dan, but what you did, teach me today is that it was all on me that I wasn't listening that I wasn't changing that I wasn't doing all these things that I'm the master of my own self and all the blame that I was putting out there was not justified and so at least until I figure that part out like this needs to hold hold off and I said well listen I'm proud of you for that and and but that's on you that's not anything that's you know questions have been raised today but it's on you but that's the kind of impact that we can make or people you know I had one guy said that during the break, he called his wife and told her that he loved her. And she goes, are you sick? Like, are you (laughs) feeling all right? Like, are you, what's going on? I don't understand. Are you at that meeting today? And he goes, uh, you know, uh, essentially he said, you know, I guess I have to be either sick or dying, you know, to, to, to tell her I love her. I said, when was the last time you told her? He goes, don't even remember the last time I told her. And yet he thought he was successful in life and I just disagree. So I think that, I think that by telling stories and, and, and relating the, these, these pieces of advice, it really can make an impact in people's lives.
0: Absolutely. And it's really nice that all these audience takeaways come from all these personal stories. So what are some of the memorable moments from your travels? Because you've been to so many different places.
1: Yeah, so I think my favorite part of what I do and why I love it so much is that I get to meet optimistic problem solvers who are highly successful on a regular basis. And if you can imagine how addicting that is to be around those people, because it just pushes me. And by the way, they challenge me all the time, like in a three hour speech of CEOs, what do, what do you think leaders think of themselves, right? They, they probably think they know everything or that they have a lot of the answers. And so I get that because maybe I put myself in that same category. So then I, I have to listen. But They will call me out all the time. So I have to be on top of my game nonstop. So, you know, if I quote a statistic or if I make a a comment, I'm going to get a response out of the crowd. And and I actually, it's my absolute favorite part of the presentation. I'm not looking for a battle, but like question me, talk to me. I mean, and and I think that that's something when when I talk about a kitchen cabinet and and for those of you that don't know, I, I have a book called, you know, who's in your kitchen cabinet. It came from President Reagan. President Reagan had this kitchen cabinet group of trusted friends, advisors around him on a regular basis, and they challenged each other all the time. And, and I just challenge you right now, if you're listening to this podcast, to, to really question yourself, like, who has your ear? Where are you getting your information from? Because if you're always at the top pulling everybody else up, it's probably not the best. If you're always at the bottom being pulled up, not the best. You want to be kind of in the middle. like, You want people who you can help along the way, but you also want people who are going to push you, push you, push you to be the best that you can be. When those people are around you, great things start to happen. There's power in peers. You know, when, when you surround yourself with great people, great things are going to happen. And so it's meeting those people. It's, it's getting to be around them. It's learning from them. It's having them push me all the time to stay on top of my game. That's my favorite part.
0: I love that you said optimistic problem solvers. I have never heard it said that way before, and that makes so much sense. What are the other attributes of successful leaders today? You know, I think I still go back to
1: the to the tried and true, and, and it's what I speak on. I think it's emotional intelligence. I mean, there are a lot of really smart people out there, and I don't think all of them are great leaders. And I think once you understand that emotional intelligence matters, that it matters how you show up, it matters the tone of your voice, the look on your face, with your family, with your company. You know, and it doesn't have to be fake. It doesn't have to be happy all the time. We always we all have issues. And, and I think that's the key, but it's just realizing that like how you handle that crisis or how you handle that problem really matters. And people are watching the way you lead. Like I'll give you an example. In one of the parts of my presentation, I, I talk about situational awareness. So when I say, I'm going to make a statement and many of you will disagree with me. And yet I'm on a personal mission to stop this because it's now more prevalent than any time in my personal or professional life. So I'm trying to stop it. So here goes. And then I say, I think it is completely unacceptable for you to curse in your personal or business life, period. End of story. I said, do you think it makes you look smart? Ignorant, grasping for words. You couldn't think of another word in the English language to shame someone or shame the situation. I'm like, do you think it makes you look strong? I'm like, weak, defensive. And we know it's a power play because typically what can't the spouse or the kids or the employees do back to you that? So they just have to sit and take it and take it and take it. And so, you know, I've had so many people over the years that have contacted me that said, Hey, I cut that out. And my employees said it was a, the best thing that ever happened, that that was the one thing that bothered them about the company and made them feel uncomfortable or offended them. And, and not that we have to live in this world where we're just so afraid of offending everyone at every point at everything, but realize that it matters. And, and that's emotional intelligence. And so the other thing that I think is, is so important that I've realized is that, and why I'm, I, I enjoy speaking to people, especially CEOs, and then kind of the flip side to students, is that at the end of my speech, I have them write their legacy. And I do it based on this, Ashna, I I say, the question is, how will your children describe you to their children? And I'm like, if you don't have kids, just replace it with family or friends because similar answer, because that question will be asked someday, like, mom, dad, what was grandma really like? Or mom, dad, what was grandpa really like? And it's such an interesting moment for these CEOs, because I say, don't answer it the way you think they would answer now in your wildest fantasy. What would you want them to say when that question is asked? and they can use six or seven words, three or four sentences, and they write it. And it's amazing some of the stuff they come up with. But this is the part, this is why I'm on a mission. Because at the end of that, I say, somebody will say that I was fun. I'm like, stop right there, stop right there. All right, out of 100 CEOs in this room, how many of you had the word fun on your list? Asha, less less than 10% every single time have fun, that they were fun in life. And that's sad to me.
0: That is really sad. It, It is sad
1: because I'm like, what are you doing this all for? To be, for someone to say you were fun in their life, what do you actually have to be? Fun, right? You exactly. actually have to be fun. And so what's interesting, and, and then there's one other word that I look for. And so, and, and by the way, it takes a while to get to it. And I'm like, and somebody said that I, that I love them or that I was loving. And I'm like, stop right there. How many of you, uh, in this room had the word love on your sheet? Less than 10%.
0: That's incredible. I would think that. Everybody would. Have <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, you know,
1: and, and I will say, if you don't have it, may want to add it. Big part. <laughs> but, but my point is, is that they put on their like integrity, hard work, like all these things that they think are the most important. And to me, I just want them to think that it may be about love. It may be about fun. And and when you add those things and mix those things and prioritize those things, it just changes life's perspective. And so that's I think those are some of the attributes that I see that emotional intelligence of the really successful and then the realization that that you know why are we doing all of this why are we working every single day whether you're the CEO of a company or working you know driving a truck or working on a front line or whatever it is you're doing are you incorporating love and fun into your life
0: I think these days we're starting to understand that EQ is just as important as IQ and I loved your comment about cursing because I grew up pretty much on television as a TV host and I started in kids television and it was live. And so you definitely could not curse. I bet you couldn't. And you know, it just developed that habit of trying to come up with creative words to use instead of the curse words. So I I love what you said about that. So how do you continue to grow and develop as a leader?
1: Well, I do love to read and I love podcasts. And so I listen to other podcasts and I love honestly listening to other speakers so when i'm on the road and i'm at these big events you know I'm, I'm fortunate a lot of times to be the keynote speaker and i love every second of it but man there may be a whole day of speakers and so slipping in the back and listening to some of those you know on on trends on the economy futurists i mean i just soak it all up and 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 from a book side i know that this is probably very nerdy to say but i love books on economics like economics and one lesson by hazlitt or The Road to Serfdom by Hayek. I mean, these are just great books that I'd love to read.
0: Well, that's great that you love to read because it only makes you smarter too.
1: <laughs> I hope so. Again, still working on it every single day.
0: Tell me about some of the risks that you took in your life.
1: Ooh, risks. All right. I, th- I think the biggest risks of all are just starting businesses. I mean, I think that it's interesting. I have friends that still to this day, 20, 30 years later, are still talking about starting a business. And they'll just say, you know, I'm going to start that business one day. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> it's been 25 years. And, and I think that that's the key is that, and I, and I hope this is, you know, something, something that I can reflect on later in life and be proud of the fact that, hey, I, I said I was going to do it and I actually did it. And I, I would encourage all of my listeners to, to really think about that. You know, is there something in your life that you've been talking about for a long time that you've really wanted to do and you just haven't? Don't shame yourself. Don't feel bad about it, but just do it. Like set a timeline, build a plan and actually make it happen. And that's an exciting part of life because the sky's the limit and it may change everything or it may change nothing, but you have really nothing to lose because you're just going on regular with your life anyway. And, and that's the neat part because I, I just posted the other day, like it's not failure if you learn from it. And so, you know, if I keep making the same mistakes over and over and over, shame on me. But if I make a mistake and or my kids make a mistake trying to take a risk, oh, absolutely every single day. This is one of the things that I focus on in my speeches. like, what is the one, Ashna, what's the one constant we can count on in life, right? Change. It happens every day. So you can either be a student of it or a victim of it. Which one? And if you're going to be a victim, it's going to be a long, miserable life, isn't it?
0: exactly i'm going to stay being a student
1: yeah good. and you should be a student and i but i view you as that way i mean you're you're constantly adapting and learning and that's what we should all be doing and so absolutely take risk you know make it happen but i would say though that was probably those are the biggest risks that i take in life
0: well i think they're really big risks and i have to agree with you because i would talk about starting projects and talk about them and at one point my best friend said to me stop talking about it and just do it so I'm finally writing my first children's book. Good for you. And that's like been one of my passions for years and years and I'm finally doing it. So,
1: well, I had this, I I just read something the other day that said, hey, I had this good friend that said, listen, I'm going to stop being your friend unless you write that book. And so she said she was such a good friend. I didn't want to lose her. So she goes, I started writing the book. So I just thought that was interesting. The ultimatum, the ultimate ultimatum. Like, I can't hear it anymore. Like do something about it.
0: Yes, we definitely need friends that give us that hard love. Absolutely. For sure. How do you align your organization with your vision and mission besides having all the success symbols? Yeah, I I would
1: say it starts with the leadership. It really does. I mean, so, you know, they set the tone for the culture, for the way that people communicate. I mean, I, I think I look at my title company, for example. So I had a real estate title insurance company. We're out of Florida and unbelievable team. Like cannot even describe to you from the top down, from, from Christine and, and and chad and claire you know and maribeth like all these different people within the company that are just amazing and and they're great leaders but it starts it starts with them it starts with me it starts with the way that we communicate and even in our interviews like we talk about how hey this is a no drama company okay like we just don't have drama here so the second you're not happy here feel free to leave go somewhere else because we're just not going to talk behind people's backs we're gonna we're all kind of a family we work together out there, we, we, you know, we may compete. Here, we're just all moving down the track together. And I love that. And we've been so fortunate over the years to make sure that that doesn't happen. And so you know, from no drama to communicating properly, and that's where I love the Quiggle assessment, right? Because with the Quiggle assessment, so for example, if you walk up to somebody's door and it's, you know, it may say, my name's so-and-so, I'm the analyst. Here's how I like to be communicated with. Because if you walk into an analyst's office And start saying, you know, here are my great creative ideas. They're like, just give me the numbers, right? (laughs) And if you walk into a creator's office and, you know, you're like, here are all the numbers. They're like, you know, over the top of their head, right? Because our personalities dictate the way we like to communicate and the way we like to be communicated with. And understanding that as a leader is powerful. So we actually talk, you know, when we do seminars or classes or, or just provide tests for companies, we actually give them a cheat sheet on how they can interact and how they can communicate with those people around them.
0: But of course, having all these businesses, at times you will have some conflicts and you will have obstacles. What is the best advice for keeping all these teams motivated?
1: I, I think it's to listen, you know, listen and care. So I think if, if I had to use two words, I mean, that's the first two words that would come to mind. I think that, you know, listen to the pulse of your organization, listen to uh, how, they're talking. How they're communicating. Ask questions. You know that are going to provide you with the answers. Um, are there better ways that we can? You know, different ways that we can be more efficient here. You know, if you could change two things at this company, what would you change? I mean, I just love questions like that because. And then you know, you can't be upset at the answers. So you have to be open minded when you do that. Exactly. And um, but when when you do that, when you listen and you care, and it's real. I mean, all this has to be real, of course. But why wouldn't you care? And why wouldn't you want to listen and get. You know, even if they're tough answers, uh, listen to the tough answers. It kind of goes back to um, I say, Do you have CEO disease when I'm talking my speeches? And then, and they're like, What's that? And I'm like, It's where you, you know, walk out of a room and you say, They love me. They think I'm hilarious. You know, all these things. And really what they're saying is, I'm sick of hearing about their kids because my kids are on drugs and I just can't tell you because it'll make me look like a bad parent. Or I'm sick of hearing how great your trip was because I'll never be able to afford that. And then I say, So how do you solve CEO disease? Well, one-on-one, never in groups of two or more, but I get feedback all the time. So I'll call John in my office, John, how you doing? I want to be the best version of myself. So I'm going to ask you a question. You're not going to lose your job because of the answer. I'd appreciate an honest answer. And by the way, I value your opinion. Think of even the strength of that conversation. And then I ask a question like, Hey, what should I do more of? Less add. And then I shut up and I listen. <laughs> and in a twisted way, some people will take great pride in telling me this. Some won't. But, you know, I love the feedback. It it allows me to grow and hopefully to be the best that I can be.
0: I completely understand what you're talking about. I definitely have some friends who don't really tell me everything that they feel about me, but I have a lot of unfiltered friends (laughs) who have no problem telling me exactly what they think.
1: Well, I I don't mind hearing that too. But, you know, as long as they're looking in the mirror, as long as when I give somebody feedback like that, that (laughs) I'm looking in the mirror myself to make sure that I'm not doing the exact same things.
0: It doesn't always work that way. Of
1: course it doesn't, because that's the reality of life.
0: Well, I know that you inspire a lot of people. Who do you look to for inspiration?
1: Well, look, of course, my family. I mean, everyone in my family, because, you know, from, from my wife to the three kids, I mean, just watching how they enjoy life and how they appreciate each other and value each other is, is inspirational. Um, from a business perspective, uh, I would say, you know, probably the, the one name that comes to mind is Ron Bailey. Uh, Ron has been my business mentor from an early time in my life. Uh, I talk about him probably too much all the time. I quote him all the time. But, you know, he's somebody who has cared, who is, you know, he's been that strong person in my life that has kind of corrected me. Like, I remember one time I sold this one business and I was cast netting on the beach every day and fishing. And I called him one day and I was talking to him about my fish. He goes, Dan, go get a job. Because I'm sick of hearing about the fish you're catching every day. And it just, you know, kind of caught me off guard. You know, I thought he'd be all proud. And he was like, he's like, challenge yourself, be you know, make an impact, go be a, be a difference maker. And, and I appreciated that because that's the kind of person that he is. And, you know, just always looks over my financials and, and it's good to have people like that in your life from, from your family, uh, from friends, from mentors, and, uh, and then to appreciate them and make sure they know the impact that they're having.
0: When people talk about kids, they always talk about having a village, but I feel like everybody needs a village to help them out in life.
1: No, I, I agree. We all need that team around us.
0: You were just speaking in St. Louis, Phoenix, Cincinnati, Charlotte, West Palm Beach, and Tampa, and you've done some virtual talks via Zoom as well. How is it traveling again and being back on stage?
1: so love it <laughs> very happy to be you know there nothing can replace right the energy of of being able to see somebody's facial expressions while you're speaking and you know see if they're fidgeting or looking at their cell phone or you know and when you're doing zoom i mean come on i'm looking at a screen most people have you know blocked me out i can't even see i'll ask a question i don't see who's raising their hand there's you know 150 people on this call so i i do i do enjoy you know enjoy it i like it but it, there's just no comparison is what i'm saying so I, it is great to be back on the road, especially in this COVID time. And probably people are like, what? You're you're traveling again? Look, they're doing it safely. Um, you know, I'm flying on Delta. I love Delta Airlines. And, uh, you know, they still keep center seats open. Those cleans are, those planes are probably cleaner than they've ever been. Definitely. Because <laughs> they even hand out wet wipes to every person who are wiping it down after it's been cleaned once already by the airline. So I love Delta. Um, once I get there, you know, wearing a mask, being very safe, washing hands, staying staying apart from people and even at the events i don't know if you guys have seen this yet but the red green and yellow bands like a stoplight like red green yellow so red if you put on a red band it means i'm here but don't come near me yellow is like i'm here but you know i don't want to shake hands but let's just try kind of keep it keep some distance and green means i'm open for hugs and high fives and at least a friend of mine said hey they should have that for dating like at bars you know like so we can test the temperature and kind of figure out how everybody's thinking but i think it's interesting because it allows people to at least know what they're up against, and 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 I think that you know at, at this event that I just did, there were a lot of people there, but they had tables of two separated each table by six feet. Um, they did a, most of their events outside, uh, so and everyone wore masks. I mean, it was it was done tastefully and and respectfully and hopefully you know as healthy as you could possibly be to make sure that they were keep you know keeping track. Of, of course, these health.
0: are challenging times, and everybody has a different level of comfort. So it's nice that during your talks you can accommodate everyone. I really enjoy taking the Quiggle assessment. My success symbol is the creator.
1: Surprise. I I
0: know, I'm not (laughs) that surprised about it, but I did discover valuable insights about my strengths and my weaknesses and how I connect with others. And that was really the main thing was really, how do I connect with all the other success symbols? So we'd love to hear about your experiences after you take the personality assessment. And find out your archetype Dan do you have any last words
1: yeah I think that you know my goal here because I like to to talk about that and like I said earlier dream share is I really do want to change 3 million lives over the next three years and so I am on a personal mission to change the narrative of how people view themselves and I want to help you and just like we exercise our body uh, don't forget to exercise your mind Uh, with the quiggle assessment you can create the best version of yourself and then help you know, make sure that you are marketing that and getting the most out of life. So any way that we can help, we're happy to do it. Go to quigglegroup.com and take the Quiggle assessment today. And by the way, um, I'll give you a promo code. If you use promo code LEAD, L-E-A-D, it'll take 50% off uh, for my listeners. So just want to make sure uh, that you're getting the best out of who you are.
0: Well, that's a great deal, Dan. Thank you so much. If you'd like Dan Quiggle to speak for your company, industry events, nonprofits, and even your kid's school in person or virtually, please contact him at quigglegroup.com. I'm Ashna and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Ashna, thank you very much and have a great day.
0: You too.